Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 15. <clears throat> Going to be talking about a subject this morning that <clears throat> I don't know that I ever preached about before. <clears throat> and this whole chapter is about the resurrection of Christ and, and our resurrection, our bodily resurrection. Now, this book was written about A.D. 55, uh, so roughly 20 years after Jesus' time. Paul was about Jesus' age. There was a, there, there's about a 10-year discrepancy or, or debate. They say, you know, Paul was, was born either five years before or five years after, somewhere in that 10-year period. So he was somewhere around Jesus' age. So this was written in AD 55, approximately 20 years after Jesus' time. And, and that's the setting here for this book uh, to, to the Corinthians. Now you think about the things that had happened in that 20 years. Uh, the events of, of Acts, you know, right after Jesus' resurrection, really didn't, the, the first couple chapters there, really didn't take very long. So within a couple of months, those chapters, that was, that was over. But then the events of the missionary travels and so on of, of Paul and, and the various things in Acts took a number of years. So again, I've said this before, you know, we read the, the, the stories in the Bible and, and you know, this, this verse follows this verse and we kind of assume that it was right off the bat, you know, that that, that was tomorrow, but not necessarily. It's, it's a, a, a period of time that is not really close, you know, that we really, it's really not there very clearly. Anyway, this chapter is about resurrection. And evidently, there was a debate in the Corinthian church about the resurrection. Just what was this? First of all, was Jesus resurrected? After all, now, this is in Corinth. The events of Corinth, by the way, is over near Greece, uh, Rome, over in, in Italy. It's not in Judea. So Paul was, had gone to Corinth. This was a, a letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, so he was not there at the time. But he had been there, and he was clarifying this. Now, the events of Jesus' time happened in Judea. Uh, I don't know how far it is, but it's a long way, and it's across the ocean, at least across the Mediterranean Sea. And, and travel was difficult, so it wasn't that people had been there, most of them anyway. Some of them possibly, if they were Jews, they might have been there. And so, Paul's telling this story here. First of all, in the first section of, of the chapter, speaking of Jesus' resurrection, he wants to establish that, establish the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Let me read the first, first section here. 
Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And after that, he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. And let's stop right there for now. Paul's establishing here that Jesus rose from the dead. Again, this was in Corinth, so they had not been there, at least probably not. And, and yet he is saying, here we are, we have witnesses. We have witnesses that Jesus rose from the dead. And not just one or two, but a whole bunch of them. 500 of them. And most of whom were, were still alive 20 years later. Which would suggest to me that most of them were relatively, relatively young people at the time. At the time of Jesus' Jesus' death and resurrection. So he's establishing that Jesus rose from the dead. Something that, that occurred to me, it's a, a common thread of, I don't know if all religions, but most religions, that there is an afterlife. Where did that idea come from? It didn't come from nature. When an animal dies, it, it stays dead, as far as we can tell. When, when anything that we can see dies, it stays dead. Where did the idea of an afterlife come from? The only answer I can come up with is that it, it's, it's, it's placed in us by God. Um, and so... It's interesting that all these religions, all these systems of worship have something. They certainly don't agree that what it's going to be and so on, but there's something. And it appears that in first in the Corinthian church or in the Corinthian town, city, the idea was was kind of pushed that there was nothing. There was nothing. Here, a couple years ago, a friend of mine here in Dundee, his wife died. He's, he's a man maybe five, six, seven years older than I, and his wife died. He's not a Christian. And he made it a point to tell me that he believes that when you die, you die like a dog, and that's it. Now, 
I didn't really have the presence of mind. He knew what I believed. That's why he said it. But I didn't have the presence of mind to say, Greg, what if, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? And, and that's where, that's partly anyway, where Paul's gone with this. But as the chapter unfolds, it's, it's more than that. But for, for Greg there, what if he's wrong? If, if I'm wrong, I didn't lose anything, did I? If he's wrong, he lost everything. And that's, that's a, a, a thought that, that comes back to me again and again. We, we, live a, we have a Christian life. We have confidence in, that, in our relationship with God. But at the end of the day, as our Sunday school lesson we talked about, it's faith. We believe. We choose to believe. We can choose not to believe. But our, our choice, our, our belief is based on evidence and our belief is we choose we choose a, a future in that belief now in let me read read the, the rest of the chapter now see so I stopped at 12 now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead how some say how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found witnesses of false witnesses of God, because we testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised." And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive." But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are at Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end, when she, he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things that are put under, are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Let's stop there. Who would be Christ's enemies? There in, in verse 25, I think it was, it said, the enemies put under his feet. Who would be Christ's enemies? Well, there's, there's a number of, number of enemies, but chief among them, of course, is Satan. And really, our human nature is an enemy of God, of Christ's. And yet, Jesus died 
Jesus died so that we, his, God's creation, could be saved, even in that human nature. Isn't that a glorious thing, that, that Jesus was willing to do that even, even for his enemies, as it were? So Satan, enemy, the ideas that Satan spreads, an enemy, and ultimately, as it says here, death is an enemy. Now, we don't generally think of death as an enemy. We just think of it as a, as a part of life, end of life, but it's, it's a part of life. But yet, yet, it is an enemy. It is an enemy. And, and had Jesus not risen from the dead... He would be the same as us, wouldn't he? I have, I have often kind of struggled with this until I, I study this more clearly, more, more completely. I understand how, why Jesus had to die. I don't understand why Jesus had to die such a death. That, that's sort of a, a side note. But uh, I understand why Jesus had to die. But I didn't really understand why, why the resurrection was so important. But as I think about this, and looked at it more clearly, cl closely, um, if Jesus was not resurrected, as this chapter says, we have no resurrection either. Because if he's not, if, if he's not resurrected, then death still wins. Death still wins. And so that old enemy, death, is, is, not, is not conquered if there's no resurrection. And I've read this chapter, I don't know, a lot of times. But um, it was good for me to go through this. So if J Jesus had not been resurrected, death would still be more powerful than he. Thus, of course, this last enemy was defeated. And, and for us as well, our, that old enemy will no longer be universally a part of, of existence because we'll be immortal at our resurrection. Because Jesus was the first one, and someday it will be our turn. Now, like Dale says, we are eternal beings, but there is kind of a, a step. <laughs> there is kind of a step in between. Now, my friend in Dundee here's idea that there is no afterlife is sort of attractive. And evidently in 1 Corinthians, there were those who thought that too. And the reason it's attractive is because if there's no afterlife, I'm not accountable to anybody for anything. And the idea then that, well, it, it doesn't matter doesn't matter what I do, doesn't matter how I live, doesn't matter because there's no consequences. And that's a, a, an idea that's attractive, but yet it's a false idea. And so, as it goes on to say, yeah, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. Do whatever you want to because it doesn't matter. And you're going to die anyway, and so go on. 
This idea of resurrection is an idea that we are not familiar with at all. Like I said, somebody, something dies, they stay dead. Um, if they don't stay dead, they, they didn't die. That's what we're familiar with. And I'm convinced that, that I and we are usually guilty of limiting God and his ability and his power because we're unfamiliar with these things. Since everything that dies stays dead, I assume that's, that's fact. To me, it is fact. But to God, it's not fact. And so we limit God. I, I've said this many times. And, and yet, it, it comes back to me again and again. God is different from me. I am, I am limited on every side. And so are you. We're limited by time and space and brains and everything. But we're familiar with it. So, gravity. Well, we take gravity for granted. But God's not affected by gravity. You see, all these things that we... That's in our, that are in our lives that we are the, the physical laws and physical things we're familiar with and we assume that God is bound by them too but God is not bound by any of them by any of them God is, is not bound by anything he is capable of anything there is nobody that I know that is capable of anything, that, that is like that. And, and so it's really difficult for me to, to, to understand that God is that way. And this resurrection is the same thing. We, since things don't come back to life, we assume they can't come back to life. That God can't do that, and so we are we are generally generally guilty of, of limiting God. After all, what is faith if it is not believing what I don't understand? If I understand it, it's not really faith. If I don't understand it, that's when faith is necessary. And at the end of the day, we choose to believe. We are not forced to believe. We choose to believe. We may be, we may be forced by the evidence. The evidence may be overwhelming. And in that respect, we're forced to believe. But even with the evidence overwhelming, at the end of the day, I, I, I am not forced to believe. I choose to believe. Now, another issue that, that Paul talks about here then, as it goes on, what will our bodies be like? Well, what was Jesus' body like after his resurrection? Jesus was recognizable after his resurrection. That's sort of remarkable to me. I, I don't know if, if, you know, I'm kind of hoping that things would be a little different in a resurrection body. <laughs> But I, I don't know. I don't know. 
how this is all going to be, you know. I am 60 years old or a little more. And Eli's more than that. Uh, are, when we get to heaven, are we going to be 18? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, 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 there's some things about this that we, that we don't know. And there, there's quite a lot of things about this that we don't know. And some of them probably don't matter a great deal. But it seems like the bodily limitations that we have here now will not be in effect in heaven, in our resurrected bodies. And, and again, these things seem like a, a, a fairy tale. Because the limitations that I'm familiar with, I, 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 I just assume that, 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 that everything and everybody are limited by those things too. And it's all I've ever known and all any, all any of you have ever known. And so the assumption is that, that that's the way it will be in heaven. But it's not. But it's not. Another thing, as maybe I should be, maybe I should read the rest of it, or most of the rest of the chapter anyway. Uh, let's skip skip the part about being the subject and baptized for the dead and all. Um, let's start at verse thirty three. Be not deceived; evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some man will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another of beasts, another of fish, and another of birds. There's also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. terrestrial. But the, God, the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another, another of the moon, and another of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Albeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As, the, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. But I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on, on immortality. 
So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stop there. So, this question about what our bodies will be like, um, you know, Paul wasn't in heaven either. So, so he, he had quite a lot to say, but it, it doesn't appear that he knew point blank just how, how exactly how things were going to be. But other places it says our bodies are going to be like Jesus' body without, without those limitations that we're familiar with. How important is that? I don't know how important that is. And, and I have a lot of questions. Uh, but the important thing to me as I think about this, first of all, that I be there. That, I, that, that when my turn comes, that I be there. And secondly, that whatever, I, whatever body I can, God gives me, that this be something that is uh, the way he intended it to be. The way he intended it to be. Then I, I guess I, the, the big problem for me is that, that belief thing, that faith thing, that I have faith, faith in God's promises. Back to the first part of the chapter. If Jesus is not resurrection, resurrected, then there is no eternal life. There is no, there is nothing. And you are still in your sins. And so if, if Jesus is not resurrected, we will not be either. And so I don't know how how important this was to the to the Corinthian people, whether they understood this, whether whether this whether there was a big contingent among the Corinthian church that were Jewish background. I suspect there was maybe, but there were some who were not. And so that as they as they thought about it, evidently this question came up. And Paul says, if Jesus is not resurrected, if, if this is not true, then we are not going to be either. Does my belief, disbelief change truth? Does my belief change truth? Is, is, true effect, is truth affected by my, my belief or my disbelief? No, it is not. It's not affected by me at all. So truth does not my, need my belief to be validated. I'm the one that's affected by my belief or my unbelief. Truth is not affected, but I'm affected. And as we think about this doctrine of resurrection, 
It affects me when I believe it. It gives me a hope for the future. The idea that I'm going to die like a dog, uh, on the one hand, it, it puts aside the, the issue of, of my sins, you know, my, the consequences for my sins. Yet, the idea of, their, of dying like a dog takes hope away for the future. Hope, for, hope of heaven. Hope of heaven for the future. And that is a, a, a primary tenet of our faith. That, that hope of, of the future. So I'm the one that's affected by my belief or my unbelief. Now, turn with me to Jude, the second to last book of the Bible. And the last several verses of Jude. Very familiar passage of scripture that sometimes you've heard in, in uh, closing. Verse 24 and 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. That's the end of end of the letter that Jude wrote. To him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless. Isn't that a glorious thought? That God is, is wanting to present us faultless to himself. And, and it before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy that God really wants this, really wants this and, and takes extreme pleasure in doing so. Not reluctantly, not saying, oh, I guess, I guess, I guess you guys uh, really didn't want to, but I, I guess we'll let you into heaven. But rather, it takes extreme pleasure in in this plan that works, this plan that, that is implemented and works. And this salvation plan makes sinners into saints. And God takes great pleasure in making sinners into, into saints. And this, this passage of scripture here, while it's, it's been, been used a lot, it, it, it's very meaningful to me. The one who can keep us from falling and present us faultless. Now let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15. The last several, several verses there in 57 and 58. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, forasmuch as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And that is part of the plan the, the whole resurrection thing, that our labor is not in vain. Now, our, our labor is not in vain, but rather, this is the result of our labor. The resurrection of our bodies, what that looks like, we don't really know. But there is hope for the future. There is hope for a life after this life. And for some of these people, the life that they had here was not that great. You know, for some of these people, they died martyrs. Paul among them. 
but there's hope for the future. Hope for, for a life, life beyond this one. So as we, we live our Christian lives, as we try to, as our Sunday school lesson said, have, have fellowship with each other and fellowship with God, may it be, may it be the sort of thing that, that the future looks bright for us. We have a bright future, even if, our, even if what's around us right now doesn't look so bright. Let's stand for prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for today. Thank you for this passage of scripture here about resurrection and, and our resurrection. And Lord, may we see this better than we did. Lord, may this be something that as we live our lives, the, the future that we have promised may be an encouragement, may be a, a something that, that makes the, the, the difficulties of the moment less difficult. Be with us as we, we consider this further. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.